Welcome to the Campus Church Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Darrell. This is episode 33, Getting Started, Jesus and the Jews. Behold, a sore went forth to sow, bearing precious seed in his hand, hoping and hope that he might see it grow. Welcome, everybody, to the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, flfnetwork.com or crosspolitik.com. And I am Keith Darrell, and this is the Campus Rich Podcast, a podcast designed to encourage and equip you in the work of evangelism. And I am broadcasting from uh, Senator Inn and Spa. It sounds really fancy. I was uh, driving late last night and off of hotels.com. I found this place, and suppose it was like 75% off from $200 down to like 75 bucks. I was like, all right, I'll take it. And this is not a $200 a night hotel. I can I can tell you that right now. This is uh, a little closer to uh, Days Inn or Motel 6 than it is a spa. But here I am getting the spa treatment in Augusta, uh, Maine, and I uh, hope to preach here in New England. The weather's a little shady. I preached yesterday, and it was chaos, and the police shut me down at uh, 3 o'clock uh, because basically Antifa showed up um, with Hell Satan signs, a abortion on demand, uh, free abortions on demand, giant banner. I don't know if that's something they have in the closet at the ready. Uh, so when someone like me shows up, they can break out. Uh, or if they made it, if they did, they uh, props to them for having resources to run off and promptly make a giant bed sheet into a borscht on demand uh banner and uh they also had uh, fascists are not welcome here and so i'm the fascist apparently um but nonetheless i was able to uh, share the gospel with many people and also people who were on the left uh actually thought the antifa types were out of control and i was able to lay out um their basically you know bigotry sort of thing and their uh their contradiction of acceptance and love and all that sort of jazz. And it's pretty basic um, stuff, but we're able to dress it up a little bit more in an academic environment for what's going on there. And uh, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, but just lock away in your head thought terminating cliches. Um, I can't remember Lifton's first name, but from the book um, Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism. Uh, hop online, find that section, Google that term, look it up, get it locked in your head, and that's kind of where the discussions are at. And so, uh, and you have to realize when people are using those things and be able to point it out and kind of show, you know, further downstream of where we can go somewhere. Because you have to break through that many times, I would say. Uh, it's kind of like deprogramming somebody from a cult. Um, I would say. So much of evangelism actually is you need some wisdom on how to do those things. And uh, so yeah, yesterday was in many ways fun. I was able to have some good conversations. And then I met with a gentleman last night who sent me a nice email about how cool-headed I was and how well I handled myself. Let me see what he uh, said here. He said, I first uh, want to say I greatly admire your courage and cool-headedness in response to the mob. So that's kind of encouraging because every now and then, to be honest with you, when, when a day goes totally sideways, I can't help but to try to evaluate myself and see if it was something I said or did that made it go completely sideways. And there are certain days um, where it, you're just not responsible for that. Um, you, you're really, as Paul would say, fighting wild beasts in Ephesus. Um, and so that's what's, that's what's taking place sometimes. And so uh, that was my Monday. Hopefully today we'll get out and uh, do some preaching. It's a little wet and rainy. Uh, we'll see what, how that happens. Um, 
you know, I usually try to maybe brush on something going on. Last week it was the the uh, you know needing more racially diverse translation. Brush on something how it relates to uh, my conversations on campus. Um, but I've been preaching by myself for the past week, and um, to be honest, I, I just don't know what's going on in the world. So I, I basically get up. Uh, read, pray, go to campus, preach, come home, uh, nap, and oftentimes I've been with people, and so I've paid almost no attention other than my Ohio State Buckeyes uh, clobbering Nebraska and my Cleveland Browns uh, clobbering the rats, and so that was kind of exciting. And so hopefully that's a sign of um, my Browns getting better, and I think my Buckeyes are a linebacker away from being a top two three team in the country. Uh, maybe we're still a top team. Who knows? Um, so with that said, um, what I want to do today is uh, basically brush on getting started. I'm just going to play a clip of me getting started. It's uh, pretty basic, pretty straightforward. Um, but one of the most common questions I get, I get emails all the time asking, well, how do you start? How do you start? How do you start? And then even uh, last week, in uh, I posted something in Facebook. Maybe it was just a photo of preaching. And someone asked, uh, how do you get started? Um, so to be honest with you, Almost every day, I start off by reading Psalm chapter 24. Uh, real simple introduction. Uh, probably about four years ago, I would say, I was praying about how I should start my semester, and I believe that the, you know, I don't want to sound charismatic on y'all, but it was kind of like preach from Psalm 24. And it was kind of funny, because for that semester, almost every day I would read Psalm 24, and I'd almost have a pretty big instant crowd. And then uh, the following semester, I thought, well, I'd just break out Psalm 24 again, and I didn't have a big instant crowd. And so you had to kind of work for it again. But yeah, uh, to be honest with you, the the starting is actually the easiest, um, because your first minute, no one cares. um, No one cares what you're saying. Uh, because no one's there, really. <laughs> and so so the, your, your very, very first words out of your mouth, you just need to get something out of your mouth. So literally every day, and my friend Sean makes fun of me, I start off with, um, I start off with an um. um. All right, students, a reading from God's holy word, Psalm chapter 24. So here's a brief clip of me um, getting started, and you can make a judgment from there of how helpful or not it is to you. Hey, Sean, you think this is the best bet, or should I, some of this stuff is packing up. Should I move over, or you think I should move over? Yeah, that's just 24. That's what I always do. That's all I got. Two, 24. First one. students a reading from God's holy word the Bible Psalm chapter 24 says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell therein for he's founded upon the seas and established it upon the rivers and the psalmist asked this question who shall send the hill of the Lord and who shall stand his holy place he gives us the answer it's he that has clean hands and a pure heart who has opted up his soul to what is false nor sworn deceitfully, the scriptures say that he shall receive the blessings of the Lord and the righteous the God of his salvation. Such a generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. He goes on to say, lift up your heads, O gates be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. 
Lift up your heads, O gates, be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Students, the psalmist begins with a rather simple declaration. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and those who dwell therein. So each and every one of you, you owe your allegiance to God. You don't owe your allegiance to the United States. You don't owe your allegiance to your race. You don't owe your allegiance to your gender. You don't owe your allegiance to your socioeconomic standing, but rather you owe your allegiance to God. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and those who dwell therein. You are a created being. You're a derived being. Uh, so that's basically it. I read Psalm 24, and then uh, it gives me an opportunity to hop into verse 1, that the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and uh, do some uh, like kind of, I guess, confrontation of um, what I believe that verse is teaching compared to what the university puts forth. And so I, you know, you lay out race, gender, blah, blah, blah. And so on a college campus, oftentimes, say, the women are devoted to their uh, sex or the people are devoted to their race or whatever. And so you're kind of uh, throwing things out on the water to see what they will uh, nibble upon and what they'll begin to discuss with you. So that's uh, literally uh, what I do uh, when I start the day. And then people start asking questions uh, almost every single day. Um, able to get a pretty good uh, group gathered who are interacting with those things. And yeah, then you just kind of tease out the implications of whatever text it is that you read. So sometimes I'll read uh, John chapter three. Uh, you know, you start off with 316. That way uh, anybody asks you about the love of God, you're like, that's how I started off the day and uh, and all that sort of jazz. So um, yeah, however you want to start. I mean, it's, it's it really, it literally um, your first 30, 40 seconds don't matter. Um, but what matters is more after that and the ability to get people to, at least for me, I want to interact with people. So my whole goal is to get a dialogue and debate going and to interact with people and answer questions throughout the day. I'm not a great monologue preacher by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not even saying I'm a great Q&A person, uh, but I'm comfortable in a Q&A and I feel pretty good answering uh, questions and stuff like that. So I'm trying to get that going and uh, that's yeah, that's basically what I do. So take that for what it's worth. If you have any other questions, comments, demands, rebukes regarding how I start, feel free to email me, Keith at campuspreacher.com, hop on the Twitter, Campus Evangel, or Facebook. Um, now, within that, I also wanted to uh, get into one discussion, uh, play a clip from a discussion. Almost every single day, I'm asked, uh, what about the Jews? And it's always said with a little like eye towards anti-Semitism. And of course, um, you know, the Christian must hate the Jews. And even the idea of, um, you know, are, are you, I'm Jewish. Are you saying I'm going to hell? And I believe uh, this clip that I'm playing, you couldn't hear the guy ask a question, uh, but he said, I'm Jewish. Am I going to hell? And so um, you can listen to how I kind of preach upon that. And, and if we're, we're trying to, I got to figure out to organize um, some of the earlier episodes better. But if you can go back into the archive a little bit, I did a couple um, uh, podcasts on Daniel chapter two and seven and nine, I believe, to kind of steer you in a direction when uh, evangelizing Jews. And the one advantage you're generally going to have, um, and don't just listen to those and regurgitate what I said, like immerse yourself in that text a little bit and get it, um, because the advantage you're going to have is the Jews do not believe their scriptures. Uh, the Jews do not believe Torah. They don't believe their prophets. And so um, if you bring up Daniel chapter 2 to them, and I'm going to say 90% of the instances, maybe even 95% of the instances, they're not really sure what Daniel chapter 2 teaches. So Spend some time, know what Daniel chapter 2 teaches, and go to them with their own prophets. And you can hear some of that in this uh, exchange. 
Uh, think about it. Everybody wrote my book. What do you mean by Jewish? Do you mean a bloodline? Do you mean a religion? What do you mean by uh, Jewish? That's my tradition, my guy. My, well, here's the thing. I would argue this. My argument going back early, even what I've just been saying, is that the God of Israel sent a Savior in the world. Daniel chapter 2 prophesies when the Messiah will come. The Messiah will come during the Roman Empire. Just as Daniel chapter 2, that's what I'm saying. If you believed your prophets, if you believe your prophets, I, I believe that you would ultimately believe Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. So the gap is this. There's nothing wrong with being a bloodline Jew. Now, religiously speaking, I do think even in, at the time of Jesus of Nazareth when he arrived, if we just take his word seriously, for, forget me, forget anti-Semitism and how I want to divide things up, Jesus speaking to his own people says, you nullify the word of God with your traditions. So oftentimes when I'm interacting with Jewish people, they don't really believe Torah, but they believe their traditions. They celebrate Yom Kippur the way they want to celebrate it. We fast. The, the Bible requires a shedding of blood. So what I would ask you to do as a Jew is just consider the fact that Jesus came during the Roman Empire, just as Daniel 2 says. Daniel 9 says that the city of uh, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. About 100 years after the death of Jesus, 40 years later, the temple's destroyed, just as Jesus said it would. So imagine if I stand out here and say, this is teacher's college, that building's coming down in the next 10 years. You know, with, before you guys die, next 40 years, that place is coming down. It comes down, like they destroy it, but I'll say the Canadians are going to destroy it. Jesus says the Roman Empire is going to destroy the temple. So I would just say, from a Jew, everybody wrote my books Jewish. So there's no ounce of anti-Semitism in the sense I think there's some sort of, something wrong with blood. But within that, religiously speaking, if I take Jesus' word seriously, I must oppose what is right now traditional Judaism that's, I believe, nullified Torah for their traditions. So you as a Jew can be engrafted into the Messiah because here I am a Gentile who is far from Israel, cut off from the covenants of promise, we didn't have the Torah, we didn't have circumcision, any of that stuff, and now I'm a full citizen in the true, I would say, the true Israel, the Messiah. So the good news for you and for me is that your Messiah has come, and now I, as a Gentile, get to worship, rather than worshiping rocks and stones and all the idolatry that Deuteronomy lays out for us, I now worship the God of the Jews, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so my invitation to you is simply believe that message. And if you you believe that message, you now have a circumcised heart. It's not about circumcision of the penis, ultimately. It's about a circumcised heart. And so God will, God will cleanse your heart. And forget, and even, but that's in fulfillment of what even going back to Moses he spoke about. Circumcise your hearts. The, the, the cutting off the foreskin was to re represent the, the, a clean heart. But if you're honest with yourself, what goes on in your heart and mind? Would you really say it's clean according to Torah? Or do you think it needs to be washed and cleansed? I would say, for honest, it needs to be washed and cleansed. That's why the prophets come. And even Jeremiah says, the heart's deceitful above all things. No man can understand it. So covenant between Abraham and uh, God. Yahweh. It's not necessarily to represent a clean heart. The, the, the way, the way uh, Moses used it in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and Deuteronomy chapter 7, that's why he tells us, circumcise your hearts. Guys, let's make and let me jump in right there, and I cited those verses wrong. It's uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10 and Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, where Moses says, uh, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. In 10.16, and in Deuteronomy 36, he says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God. And so uh, I believe part of the Abrahamic covenant is um, the cutting off of the flesh. And so Abraham and Sarah try to bring about the promise by the flesh, um, by taking Hagar, and it comes about by the promise. And so it's it, that's what I'm driving at there and what I believe uh, Moses is also driving at in Deuteronomy uh, 10 and 30. So I butchered those references. One thing you want to do if you're going to quote scripture is get the references right. So um, sometimes as you're talking for five or six hours uh, during the day, uh, you're bound to get a couple of them wrong, um, and I got those wrong. So uh, don't do that.
So here's the thing. So as a Jew, again, so get back to your question. What does it mean that as a Jew, uh, you know, are you going to hell? Well, if you want to persist and say Jesus is not the Messiah, I do, so Jesus says, whoever believes in me is not condemned. Whoever does not believe in me stands condemned already. If I take Jesus' words seriously, what's your name? I'm Zach. Zach. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Zach does not believe. Zach stands condemned already. Whoever believes is not condemned but has eternal life. Zach believes. Zach is not condemned but have eternal life. So if we just take the basic logic, insert whatever name you want to there. If you believe Jesus is the Messiah, I'm saying you can be saved. If you don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, Jew, white, black, rich, poor, straight, gay, you're going to hell. And I realize it's a tough message for like, what American wants to sign off on the doctrine of hell nowadays? What sort of loving God would send people to hell? But I would maintain that the love of God compels them to send people to hell because that's what sin deserves. But we think, I would say in general, even Christians, we're all sinners. It rolls off our tongue so easy. We're all sinners. Can you imagine committing adultery on your wife and be like, honey, we're all sinners. I mean, you're not perfect, are you? I mean, if you understood your sin, you'd be broken over cheating on your wife. If you've committed idolatry against Yahweh, you'd be broken over it. And that's why Yahweh uses language like uh, you're whoring after other gods and you're an adulterous generation and stuff like that. Because sin is serious. And that's why we believe it takes a sacrifice of God in the flesh um, to save us from our sins. Thank you. Uh, to save us from our sins. So, no animosity towards anybody. Believe it or not, anybody disagrees with me. I love and desire the good of every single individual out here. But within that, I still think some people are wrong. And I think part of loving them includes saying, you're wrong. So when I was little, if my mom ever disciplined me, I'd stop my feet and I'd yell, you hate me! I'd slam my door shut, my mom would yell, I don't hate you, I just hate the way you're acting. And so uh, you can actually tell someone that they're wrong and still love them. And it's actually, as I got older, I realized the wisdom of my mother. So that's a uh, basic interaction on laying out with a young Jewish man who asked me, I'm Jewish, am I going to hell? And uh, seeking to lay that out and preach that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. And uh, towards the end there, I use an illustration uh, with my family. And uh, one of the one of the things you want to learn to do, I would say in general, if you're a preacher, and I used to really be against this. Like I got into Reformed theology and I became Reformed and I was like, oh man, expositional preaching and propositions and kind of everything kind of became the book of Romans in a way. Um, whereas, you you know, you read the Gospels, there's a lot of stories, Jesus tells parables, the Old Testament prophets act things out and all that sort of jazz. Um, and it may have been reading James Jordan's Through New Eyes um, and maybe some John Frame, um, but the basic idea is that all of reality is analogous to God. And so you should be able to take anything in creation and have it point back to God. And part of your responsibility as a preacher is to communicate um, to people who honestly don't know your message. <laughs> and so you have to communicate to people who uh, don't know what you're talking about. And um, so that's uh, throughout the day, I'm often trying to bring up analogies and stuff like that to uh, hopefully help articulate um, my position. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Campus Church Podcast. Um, so if you think about it, there are two things uh, we could greatly use. Um, one is your prayer support, especially as uh, certain days seem to be a little chaotic like yesterday. And I would even suggest uh, some demonic activity, especially with the man who actually sent me the kind email. And then we met for dinner last night, uh, or uh, tea rather. And I would suggest that the young man was probably a demoniac. 
And so if you can think of praying for me for wisdom, uh, that would be uh, greatly appreciated, as well as if you would consider maybe partnering with me financially as I travel, especially as I'm up in New England, I incur a little more expenses in various ways. Um, If you have any interest in helping the cause, and it's one of those things that sounds cliche from a ministry, but it truly is like 10, 20 bucks a month. truly adds up if you have a handful of people backing you. And obviously, if you have a few thousand bucks, that really, really helps. But um, yeah, if, if you're interested in partnering through uh, the Whitfield Fellowship, uh, you can go to campuspreacher.com and uh, get some details there, or advertising here on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and joining and becoming a club member uh, also helps allocate resources in this direction. So if you have any interest in that, feel free to go to campusreacher.com or go to uh, crosspolitic.com and become a partner. And so that's this episode of the Campus Church Podcast, and if you have any questions, comments, demands, reviews, exhortations, you can reach me at camp Keith at CampusPreacher.com, Campus Evangel on Twitter, or Campus Preacher on Instagram, and of course, Keith Darrell on Facebook. Thank you. Talk to you next week.